Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online and those of you who are gathered here in the room. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for pretty much as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that the Lord is with us. As we gather together to worship him, whether we're gathered in person, whether we're gathered virtually, uh, that the Lord is right here with us. He knows our needs. He knows the pain we're experiencing. He knows the, uh, the questions that we're asking. He knows it all, and he invites us to gather together to, to center our hearts and our thoughts on him, uh, to give him our, our hurts and our needs, uh, to give him our thanks and our praise, and to invite him to speak and to work in our hearts and lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's continue the prayer that we've already started with the songs we've been singing. God, we are so grateful to you for your amazing, faithful love, uh, for your goodness to us that is uh, undeserved, and for the ways that you are with us through the midst of trial and difficulty. Um, <laughs> how awesome is the Lord Most High. Uh, so we do sing your praises, God, and we do give you thanks, even as we are crying out to you for help uh, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of frustration, uh, in the midst of weariness. God, you know just how tired we are of uh, this long season that we've been in. And God, we pray that you'll continue to give us strength and wisdom, uh, that you'll help us not just to survive this season, uh, but that you'll help us to thrive in the midst of it, that you'll help us to, uh, to sense your spirit leading us into opportunities to grow, uh, to share your love, to, to be examples of, of a people who live confidently, even in the midst of the storms of life, that we can live with this confidence that, Lord Jesus, you are in the boat with us, and we are not afraid. You are going to see us through. God, help us to display this trust in you in a way that, uh, well, Jesus, like you said, that our light shines for others, and, and they, they see this, and they are curious about it, and, and it leads them eventually to to recognizing that maybe there is a God who is with us. Maybe if these folks can live with this kind of confidence, if these folks can live with this sort of peace in the midst of, of difficulty, in the midst of struggle, where do they get that? <laughs> I want some of that, some of what they have. So God, please, would you, would you help us to continue to draw strength from you, to continue to trust you, to keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus so that we can continue to persevere, so that we can continue to love, so we can continue to forgive, to be gracious, to be respectful. God, that we can seek justice, your justice that is uh, flowing, that is rolling down like waters, that, that we can see this happen, that we can be a part of this, that we can be peacemakers. that we can be a people used by you, reflecting your grace and your goodness to the world. God, you know that we don't always get it right, and our neighbors don't always get it right. And you know that right now, uh, emotions are heightened around all sorts of different issues. God, you know the, the racial tensions that are, uh, uh, that are going on all over our nation. God, we pray that you would help us as your children, to continue to give you thanks for the ways that you call us from every nation, every tongue, and every tribe uh, to be your people. God, help us not to cling to uh, our own rights, our own privileges, our own uh, advantages, but God, help us to, to truly see each other 
as the brothers and sisters that we are. Help us, God, to truly see our neighbors and the pain that they feel and the needs that they express. And help us, God, to be a people of compassion, a people who reflect the love you have shown us in the ways that we love each other. And I'm convinced, God, that whatever the circumstance we find ourselves in, you are already there, you are already at work, just like you are at work in our lives, and you are going to work through us to make whatever circumstance you place us in one where your grace is seen, one where your justice is lived out, one where peace is experienced. Because we are experiencing peace in our relationship with you, and we have the opportunity then to help others experience this, this same peace, this same grace, this same goodness that you have poured into our lives. Thank you, God, for your amazing love that we've just been singing about, the ways it transforms us, the ways it changes the ways that we interact with the people around us. Help us, God, to continue to be open to your transforming work in our hearts and in our lives. There aren't any of us that have arrived already, God. We all are in continued need of your work. So do you help us to cooperate with your work, to work alongside you, both as you change us and as you work through us to see change happen in the world around us. You are good, God, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before you're seated, if you could take a quick moment, look around, see somebody, wave to them, tell them the peace of Christ. Peace to you. You might have to shout it across the room, air hugs, yeah, all that goodness. Uh, thank you. If you're, if you're online, you could put in the chat a little peace to you or something, or greet the other people that are watching with you on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you are. And um, again, I look forward to the days that we can do more of this in person. Um, but, uh, and thank you again, Svalbard family, for leading us musically this morning. We have been blessed uh, by, your, by your gifts and your willingness to share them with us. Um, it's a couple of quick announcements. One, uh, if you haven't already, uh, I would encourage you to either fill out one of the little Connect cards in the back, or if you're online, uh, or if you're here, you can pull out your phone and go to livinghope.info slash connect and, uh, and fill out that little card. Let us know you're with us today, worshiping with us. Uh, let us know how we can pray for you, or if you have comments or feedback, or you might want to actually chime in on something I'm going to mention in just a minute. Um, but you can also give online. Uh, I just had... Uh, Somebody this morning say, boy, that online giving thing's changed my life uh, because they, they don't have to worry about remembering anymore. They can just they can give online. They can just do it automatically and uh, continue to, uh, to support the work that God's doing here and around the world. Uh, so if you want to give, livinghope.info slash give takes you right there. And uh, there are all sorts of ways. I know most of us are still watching online. Thank you guys for connecting with us this way. I know, it's, I know most of you would rather be in the room with us. There might be a couple of you are very glad that you can uh, do this from home, but uh, I know most of you would rather be here. And, uh, and so thank you you for tuning in. There are several ways that you can watch online, uh, and we try to make it easy for you. Go to livinghope.info and then just type on the end of that slash live to watch live at nine or slash Facebook to go right to our Facebook page or slash YouTube to go right to our YouTube channel. Um, they don't always make it easy for you to have links you can remember. So I, I do these for me so that when I need to really quick hit our church's YouTube channel, I can just say, okay, livinghope.info slash YouTube. Okay. And then that takes me to where I need to go. Um, so if you're connecting online, those are lots of different options. And uh, we do have a possibility two weeks from today is our church's 20th anniversary. It's hard to believe. And, uh, we had had plans originally, and then we kind of said, oh, no, we can't do any of that stuff because of the COVID thing. Uh, you know, having a big cookout and all that kind of stuff. 
And then as the time got closer, we thought, well, you know, we could do something. There are churches that are like renting the pavilion at the YMCA. That's available that day. We could rent that. Uh, I, I stopped in and caught the end of a, a church service there uh, last week. Uh, it was Pastor Katie's last Sunday with Dunland Community Church. Uh, you know, we shared Pastor Katie with them as youth pastor uh, for several months uh, before she and Joel now have hit the road in the van with their dog River uh, to do this nomadic church experiment. And we'll continue to keep you updated on how they're doing because I know several of you uh, really love Katie and would like to continue to connect with her. Um, But I wanted to see how that worked. And I thought, oh, yeah, we could do this maybe, you know. And so we actually had a church board meeting this last week. And they said, well, if we can have like, we don't want to do that big outdoor service if it's just going to be those of us who would be in the room anyway. But if if we could get a good chunk of folks who currently uh, feel comfortable only watching online, but they don't feel comfortable walking into a building for a church service, an outdoor service is a very different thing. I mean, most of us have been outdoors around other people at some point. And uh, there's plenty of room there to spread out, to keep our social distance. And there's even, I was talking to somebody else who's done some uh, food things for their employees, and he turned me on to this uh, hot dog truck guy that's like, yeah, I can do hot dogs, chips, and drinks for everybody. And uh, it would be just like getting food out to eat at a restaurant, which many of us have done and felt comfortable doing. So... Uh, if you would like to do that, there is a little survey we'd love for you to take. You could write it on your Connect card, or you could uh, you can just text me or email me or call the church and leave a message, or you could fill out this little survey. It's, again, livinghope.info, just slash outdoor survey. Uh, if you get our emails, you got this an email about this a couple days ago. Uh, if you don't get our church emails and you want to, let us know. Say, hey, I didn't get that email, and, uh, and we'll make sure we get you on that email list uh, because we want to make sure that there are enough people that actually would want to do this before we say, yes, definitely we're doing it. We'd probably do it a little later, because some of you, it's not the fact that you don't want to be in the building, it's just that this is nine in the morning, and you're still asleep. You're watching, it. You're watching later, right now. It's later than, nine, than 9.20, uh, where you are. Um, and so we'll probably do it a little later, like 10 or 10.30, and uh, probably out at the Y, and, uh, and have some food available for those who'd want to stick around for food. So let us know if you would like to do that. And if we have enough of us that would like to, uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll have enough responses. We've already got a good chunk of folks have replied just to that email. Uh, if enough of you want to do it, we'll do it. And we'll have an outdoor service in two weeks to celebrate 20 years together as a church and uh, to actually get to see some of you in person again that we haven't gotten to see in quite a while. Um, all right. Uh, this morning is uh, just a little bit different when it comes to the message because I'm not giving it. Um, I, uh, my parents had been, uh, they'd been in Kansas for several weeks uh, uh, attending to my grandfather's death. Um, my mom's dad uh, came down with the, the COVID-19 thing a few weeks ago. I don't remember the timeline anymore. How long were you guys down there? Three weeks. Okay, I knew it seemed, it felt like forever. And uh, I'm sure it felt like longer to you. But um, Uh, As they came back this last week, um, my dad, who's been filling in at a church in Laporte, uh, said, you know, I'm not actually scheduled to be there until the 13th. If you'd like, I could bring the message on, on, you know, this Sunday. And I said, well, why not? People love hearing from my dad. He, he brings a different uh, style, a different approach than I do. And it's good for us not to just hear the same person talking all the time. The voice of God doesn't sound like my voice. And it doesn't sound like his voice either. Uh, but it's good for us to hear through many different people so that we can begin to recognize, you know, the voice of God and not just the voice of our, our preacher, our pastor. All right. So thank you very much, Dad, uh, for bringing the message this morning. I'm glad I can. The last three weeks, my wife and I have been worshiping outdoors. It was in Kansas, 90 degree heat, but thankfully they had this huge maple tree on the east side of the property and we were on the west side on the grass in the shade. Well, we would have melted like butter. 
And uh, we lived three weeks in our little camper that's only 20 foot long and eight foot wide, and I don't care if I never see the inside of that again. But anyway, it was like living in a tin can, I tell you, in the desert, but it's so good to be back to Indiana. But one thing I noticed, and you'll notice too, whether you're watching the news or just seeing out, one thing we are lacking today is character. So in your notes, it says, what is character? Let me just tell you what it is. Character is an outward reflection of an inward connection. See, character is really an internal thing. And uh, one of the pieces of character that we're really missing nowadays, as I noticed, and my wife and I noticed as we were traveling through the states to get to Kansas, is a lack of discipline. There just isn't that much discipline. And it's COVID-19 going on, folks. It's your life or death, and people just didn't want to wear a mask or didn't want to separate, you know, be six foot apart. So let's just look at what is discipline. And this is going to surprise you. Discipline is doing what you ought to do. So you can do what you want to do. Now think of that. Doing what you ought to do so you can do what you want to do. By the way, while it's on the screen, let's say that out loud, okay? I want you to repeat this after me. Doing what you ought to do so you can do what you want to do. You say, well, I understand the first part, doing what I ought to do, but what's the second part about? Let me tell you something. When you come to the point in life where you decide you need to open your life up to God and you open your life up to God and you ask him to come in and, man, I'm going to obey him and do what he wants me to do, guess what? I end up doing what I ought to do because I'm following what Jesus wants me to do. But what about what I want to do? You mean if I do what I ought to do, then I can do what I want to do? What's up with that, Dwayne? Well, let me tell you something. Jesus wants you, God wants you to be highly successful. In fact, if I can find it out here on my little smartphone, in Joshua 1.8, here's what it says. You need to meditate on God's word so that you can be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Do you know God wants you to be successful? He wants you to be able to do what you want to do. Because he gives you that desire to do what he knows you can do and be successful at. He said, well, what is success? Let's look at what is success. God's definition of success is living in the will of God. And when we do that, we will be successful. When you decide, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a person that goes deep with discipline and with God, guess what? You'll be successful. I mean, the opposite of success is failure. You know, I, I hear it all the time on television and People talking to me, when, when, and, and I've done the same thing myself because it's human nature. When you fail, what do you do? You come up with excuses. It's never my fault. It's always somebody else's fault, the weather's fault, or the COVID's fault, or somebody's fault. But it's never my fault. That's where failure begins and ends. Bunch of excuses. But with success, being in the center of God's will, it ends and begins with the D word called discipline. Doing what we ought to do. So you can do what you want to do. A, a, a book that influenced me uh, probably 15, 20 years ago, and so you can pick it up really cheap now as a used book, it's called The Road Less Traveled by M. Stock Scott Peck. And Peck says that discipline is delayed gratification. It's like li- eating the liver and the onions first so you can have chocolate syrup on the ice cream for dessert. <laughs> It's like enduring the pain and agony of working out and being on the Stairmaster or whatever, or the treadmill. And then you feel good after the workout. 
because endorphins kick in. Feels healthy, feels full, feels alive. It's delayed gratification. I like that definition. Discipline is doing what you ought to do so we can do what we want to do. Delayed gratification. Now the question that hangs in the balance is this. How do I go deep with discipline? How do we do that? How do we go deep with discipline? Well, I'm glad you asked that because uh, discipline is reserved for all of us who uh, want to follow the Lord. And, it's, it's, and, and we, you know, all we have to do is make the ability to make a decision that we can become people who go and grow deep with discipline. And a good example of that is a guy by the name of Daniel. Daniel was a great character of discipline. And we're going to be looking at the first chapter of Daniel this morning, and, and it's really interesting as to what he did. I mean, he, he did what he ought to do so he could do what he wanted to do. It was all about delayed gratification. And he made several decisions that caused him to grow deep with discipline. Decisions you and I can also do as well. First of all, he was involved in something that we need to be involved in. We need to plan in advance. That's what Daniel did. He planned in advance. I mean, let me bring you up to speed a little bit on Daniel. Daniel was in J-Town, in Jerusalem. And uh, while people were in Jerusalem, guess what? King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came and took over and destroyed the town of Jerusalem. But here's what he did. He found the best and the brightest guys and gals that were there. And he took them with him back to Babylon. Because he realized, we don't have that many bright people down here. I need those guys. I need those gals. And so what did he do? He said, we're going to wine them. We're going to dine them. We're going to really make them feel good at home here. So he'll wanna, they'll want to be on my cabinets. They'll want to help me run the country. And we'll be very successful. And so he did that. Except Daniel. Daniel had planned in advance. He said, I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to do it. No way. Instead, he says, I'll tell you what I am going to do. Instead of eating all that rich food and all that wine and alcohol and all that stuff you're going to feed us, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to play that game. And so the Bible says in Daniel 1.8, Daniel made up his mind to eat and drink only what God had approved for his people to eat. And he asked the king's chief official for permission not to eat the food and wine served at the royal palace. See, he made up his mind. That's in the past tense. He planned in advance. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to honor God. I don't care if I'm in Babylon, Jerusalem, or anywhere else. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and I know what God wants me to do. And along with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided, we're going to ask, we're just going to tell the master chef, not going to do it. And so they went, and they said, listen, we can't do this. And so... It says in verse 8, God, not Daniel, had made the official friendly and kind to Daniel. God did it. You see, discipline comes from God. It's doing what we ought to do so we can do what we want to do. It's delayed gratification. So discipline in and of itself is superfluous. It's, it's, it's great if you're disciplined and you have a lot of strength, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all that. But even though discipline does this, it puts us in a position to be used mightily by the grace and mercy of God if we have God involved in our discipline. It puts us in a stance where we can be blessed and we can bless others. 
See, God does the blessing. God does the moving. God does the shaking. God does the baking. He made the official friendly and kind to Daniel. Daniel. So discipline simply put him in the position to be used. In fact, in Daniel 1, verse 17, here's what it says. God made the four young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, smart and wise. Now, I'm sure you remember about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three Abestus boys that were over there with Daniel. You know, they were the three firemen that were very faithful in the fiery furnace. Those were Daniel's good friends. They had discipline too. And God brought them into favor along with Daniel. In fact, when you look at Proverbs, a wise man said in Proverbs 21 verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. So if you want to have a profitable marriage, guess what, fellas? You better plan in advance. If you're going to have a profitable career, you'd better plan in advance. What do I need to do to be able to have that career? If you want to have a profitable spiritual maturity, you need to plan in advance. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. In other words, I can't plan on the fly. You don't become disciplined just instantly. The problem is most of us, we make the decision during the heat of the moment. We, we, we live by reaction rather than by action. For example, let's say that during this COVID-19 time, you realize you're gaining weight. Well, you just don't lose weight automatically. You've got to plan it. One of the favorite places Ruth and I like to eat before COVID, on my birthday, or hers, the family would take us out, our kids would take us out, we'd all get together and go to Kelsey's Steakhouse over here. Now listen, if you want to lose weight, you plan in advance. You know what you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat. You get a take-home thing and say, I need a small take-home thing. I'm going to take, I always take some home. But you know what they like to do after that? You finish your plate, and what do they do? They roll around this thing, or they bring it on a platter, and they say, now look at this. What is that chocolate thing we always liked? The chocolate steer or something like that, whatever it was, a... The what? Oh, my word. Did that look good? And if you don't plan in advance, you're going to gain weight, not lose weight, when you go to Kelsey's. You see, you just can't do it on the fly. You've got to plan in advance. Oh, man. I tell you, if you're going to go deep with God, discipline. You need to plan in advance. Here's another decision that Daniel made, too, that's going to sound weird, but hang in there with me. Um, I'm just going to put it in simple terms that we can understand. You need to sushi-size your day. Do you, know, do you know what a sushi is? What's the name of that place we used to take our grandson and granddaughter to over in Maryville that had sushi? Some, some place that's on the left side of Highway 30s, you're going into Maryville, and it was, had a big buffet, and I mean they had a buffet as long as this platform with all kinds of fish and, and, and sushi if you've ever seen it before it's just this little thing it's about a they wrap up some fish put rice around it and then put some kind of seaweed or something around it I don't have a clue it's about the size of a quarter and about that long just a bite size and that's what you need to do you need to make your you need, you need to you know bite size chunks you need to realize how much you can handle a lot of us see 
we don't try to do it in bite size. We try to do it in chunk size. I'll never forget. I was 10 years old. And I kept asking my dad, what can I do to earn some money? I mean, I'm 10. I'm out on the farm. I don't know what I'm going to spend it on, but I wanted to. So <clears throat> one time a tornado came through, and my dad kept getting flat tires. I said, son, I'll give you a penny for every nail you pick up and put in your red wagon. I said, okay. Dad came in from the field that evening, and my red wagon was not only full, it was heaping full. I had 1,100 nails. He says, you're kidding. I said, no. You want to count them? He didn't want to count them. But I had 1,100 nails. That was my best day as a 10-year-old. So he had this huge chisel. It had over, it had over 100 chisels. It's an implement that has this thing that goes in the ground and just, you know, makes a lot. And only there's 100 of them real close, so they dig it up really good. They were all worn out. He said, son, I, I need you to t take these old chisels off and put the new ones on. And he shows me how to do it. Now, these things had been on there for a while. They're rusty. I had to get a wrench and put a pipe on the wrench just to get the bolt loose. I looked down that thing, and it looked like it was a mile long. I said, man, Dad, how much am I going to get for this? He says, I'll give you a dime a chisel. And there's a hundred of them. I thought, that might take me a week. He said, son, do you know how you eat an elephant? I said, no, how do you eat it? He says, one bite at a time. He says, you're looking at the whole thing. By the inch, it's a cinch. I said, oh, okay. I thought I can do that, one bolt at a time. Three hours later, I got my money. And here I thought it was going to take me a week. You see, when you sushi-size it, it's so much easier to live. I mean, you want to be disciplined. And, and there's always people that are, I, I call them downer people. They try to, you know, they just... Drag you down. You say, well, I'm going to be disciplined. Do you know how long you have to be on a diet to lose weight? Just eat the cake. Do you know how many hours you're going to have to work out to get cardiovascular health this next month? No, but I know today if I go 15 minutes, that's longer than 15 minutes yesterday that I didn't do. Do you ever know how much work it is just to eat properly? Do you want to die early? I mean, you know, don't let these downers whip you. They'll try to wear you out and get you, you know. Don't, don't, you've got to surround yourself with the Abestus boys, people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, people that are going to help lift you up and, 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 and have your back, motivate you to be disciplined. You see, we live a busy life, kind of in the rat race of life. And I'm telling you something, if I start looking at all this stuff, if I look at your schedule of what you got to do the next week, I'm going to think, yeah, you know what, You're going to, you and me are both going to end up in the ha-ha house if we're not careful because that's just too much. I think we better just take it in bite-sized chunks. And I've had times when I've had to ask God to help me the next five minutes because I felt like I was at the end of the rope. And guess what? God got me through the next five minutes. The next thing I knew, it was an hour. We're all the same way. That's why the Bible, the last verse on the Sermon on the Mount helped me so much. Here's what Jesus says. You don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. And he's right. We do have enough to worry about today. Do you know how many minutes are in a day? 1,440 minutes. That's a lot of minutes. I got enough to worry about today. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I'll just take care of today and put it in bite-sized chunks, five minutes at a time or something like that, and I can do it. 
See, just learn to enjoy each moment God has given you. Right now we're here. So I'm going to enjoy this time. I'm not worried about all the things Ruth Ann wants me to do this afternoon. No. I've been married 50, almost 51 years to her. I know she's always got a list. I'll get to it when the time's right, but right now's not the time. I'm going to enjoy this time right now. You see, don't worry about tomorrow. Just live for today, one day at a time. And when you enjoy your day-to-day, guess what? You're taking discipline in bite-sized chunks, sushi-sized chunks. See, don't, don't say, well, man, I don't know about next month. I don't know about next year. I don't know. When. I, none of us know. Only God knows. Those moments will come whether you worry about them or not, so why worry about them? Just sushi-size your day and live for today like Daniel did. In fact, it says in Daniel 6.10, when Daniel returned home, he went upstairs and prayed in front of the window that faced Jerusalem. And the same way he had always done, he knelt down in prayer three times a day, giving thanks to God. Wow. Here, Daniel doesn't even, he got, he got removed from J-Town, his home. He's 800 miles away where nobody knows where he is. In a town called Babylon. And he's still giving thanks to God because, hey, man, I just got through another third of a day. So, God, thank you. See, the whole day at a time, this one day at a time thing, that's one of the great aspects of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know if you've ever done it. I've never, I mean, the other day, I was in Laporte a month ago, and a gal had been there, and I said, wow. I said, so. And she looked at something. So I said, what is that? She said, oh, man, I've, I've been sober for over a thousand days. She didn't say three years or 36 months. They take it one day at a time. And by the way, AA is founded on biblical principles. God's word is everywhere, and it's a great program. And one of the things they tell you in AA is just take it one day at a time. Count your days of sobriety. And Daniel sushi-sized his day. He took each day in a bite-sized chunk, and you and I have got to do the same thing. The prophet Zechariah highlights... What we've been talking about concerning discipline of chapter 4, verse 6, it says, I am the Lord all-powerful, so don't depend on your own power strength, but on my spirit. When you depend on God's spirit, like I said, I say, God, you got to help me through the next five minutes. Guess what? Those spiritual disciplines are not that hard. And whether it's praying or fasting or meditation or whatever, that's fine, but we're disciplined because of the reality of God's spirit within us wanting us to do the right thing. And when I do what I ought to do, then I get to do what I want to do. Galatians chapter 6, Paul the great missionary. Here's what he says. If you follow your selfish desires, you will harvest destruction. Whoa. That's what we're seeing today. People self-centered, doing what they want to do and thinking, well, you need to get what they need to get. No, no, no. See, I've had been around people, and, well, I can, ang- I, I can handle that anger. But they come in for counseling, and I say, well, you know what? You've got an anger problem. I know I can handle that anger problem. No, you can't. That's why you're in here, but I didn't say that. Instead, I said, no, you need God's help to help you do that. Well, I, I, you know, I have enough guts to get back. You know, I, I, can, I can do what I need to do. I can pull myself up. No, no, you can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need God to help you. You don't know what you're doing. You're worshiping your own selfish, self-centered desires. You're not following God's spirit. You're worshiping this quality in and of itself, following your own selfish desires. That's going to lead you to destruction. But the last part of that verse says, but if you follow the spirit, 
you will harvest eternal life. Whoa, I like that. Paul's talking here about green acres. He's talking about the farmer in the dell. He's saying, hey, all the farmer has to do is work the soil, and then he puts a seed in, and guess what? God does the rest. He makes it germinate. He helps it grow. I don't cause it to grow. I mean, he, does, he knows how to make it produce fruit. And the spiritual disciplines are the same way. In and of themselves, they're fine, but let me tell you what they do. They get us in the ground, but God does the germination and God does the production and God yields the crop. So I'm to be a disciplined person. Why? Because that way I allow God to put me in the ground where I belong and he does the growing. God does the discipline. He does, he does the endurance thing. When I'm following God, he teaches me endurance. He teaches me what is true vision, what is true courage, what is true enthusiasm. God does the true love thing. That's what God does. So it's all about God. We're to be very careful that we don't worship me. Don't be meistic, saying, I can do it. I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. A lot. That's the world's attitude. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bad enough. I can handle that. No, it leads to corruption. You need God and His grace. So, how. Do we make these decisions and leave, live these decisions out in real life? I mean, I could talk to you some more about advanced planning and give you examples and illustrations, but and I could talk to you more about sociasizing your life and more about being disciplined in your prayer life or your diet and all that kind of stuff. But as I've said, character is an outward reflection of an inward connection with God. Character is doing what you ought to do so you can do what you want to do. It's delayed gratification. It's obeying God. So how do we realize the depths of discipline in our lives? I'm going to talk to you about something that's mentioned over 52 times in the Bible. First place it's mentioned is what I gave you this morning in Joshua 1.8. It's called meditation. Now I'm not talking about Eastern meditation. You know where you just sit around and go, mm, and they tell you to empty your mind. You don't want to empty your mind. That's detaching yourself. How do you go deep when you're detached? You can't. So true Christian biblical meditation is not emptying the mind. It's filling the mind, transforming the mind with God's spirit and God's word. As Joshua said, you meditate on God's word day and night if you want to be prosperous and successful. So it's a purpose-driven thing. So let's look at the word meditate for just a little bit. Here's another book that changed my life. Back about 15, 20 years ago, Richard Foster wrote The Celebration of Discipline. I'm sure you can get it cheap now somewhere. Here's what he says. Christian meditation is very simply, it is the ability to hear God's voice and obey God's word. It's that simple. He says, I wish I could make it more complicated for those who like things difficult. See, sometimes people just like things difficult. I've actually had him tell me, complicate that for me, would you? That's too, that's too easy. Well, that's why my email says, plain Dwayne. I'm a farm boy. I like it easy. Make it simple. By the inches of ascension, I can do it. You make it complicated, I want to understand it. Well, it can't be that simple. There's got to be more to it than that. You don't understand something. Things that are simple and easy to understand just because it's simple and easy to understand does not mean it's shallow and superficial. 
You don't really understand something unless you explain it in a very simple way. If you can explain it in a simple way, then you understand it. So what's it mean to meditate? Meditation is creating a space. You need to create a space emotionally, spiritually, to hear God's word and to obey his word. That's what it is. Our daughter and husband got their two kids. They live in Chicago where they have a rat problem. Where'd they get their kids? Sophisticated rats. They're called hamsters. And they go there and they show, oh, look at this cute little hamster. They even name the hamster. They'll pick it up and pet the hamster. And then they put it back in. And the hamster gets in this little wheel thing and goes, he's chattering away, man. I mean, it's just rolling on that wheel thinking he's really going. He's not going anywhere. And sometimes we're that way in a rat race called life. And we're like, man, I'm really flying. I'm really moving. No, we're not really moving. We just need to stop, create time, space, and energy, and opportunity to be able to hear. Away from all the racket. What's God saying? What's this word mean? I mean, Joshua said in one eight, if I meditate on God's word day and night, I'll be prosperous and successful. So how do I get away and actually meditate on that word? Your challenge this week is to spend 10 minutes a day getting away, creating space. Get away from all of the electronic stuff and everything else and just get away. My wife did a great thing this summer. It kind of aggravated me at first. She, had me, she wanted me to put out the hammock. We hang it between two trees. Out in the woods. I said, you know, it's going to rain and it's going to rot and we'll have to buy a new one. It's a really nice hammock. Well, I should have known. I shouldn't have said that. It didn't rain for a long time. I kind of, that's why I liked it. I could go out there and lay on that. And it was amazing what God taught me when I was away from everything. And all I could do is look up, see the trees, See the clouds moving, making it look like the trees are going to fall on me. And that'll make you trust God. <laughs> it was amazing. If you just get out and create some space, just 10 minutes a day, get out of the race, disengage. See, we're all busy. Just get out of the race and leave everything on hold. Get out of the race. So you create a place, get out of the race, and then you find a place to meditate. It can be in your home, it can be outdoors, wherever it is, just so you're not ambushed by technology. Just give God time, 10 minutes of uninterrupted time where you can hear his voice, obey his word. And then you contemplate his grace, God's grace. Here's what you do. You hear his voice, you obey it. Well, Dwayne, how, how, how can I hear his voice and obey it? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer is in Scripture. That's why Joshua said you meditate on God's Word. If you take Scripture, just read it out loud. In fact, some of you probably ought to take that one Scripture I had. You fell out at the very beginning. What was that anyway? I can't remember now. Or somewhere in there. Oh, yeah, you need to do the last word on the Sermon on the Mount, that Matthew 
chapter 6, verse 34, at the top of the second page. Don't worry about anything. It'll, don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. You need to worry about today. Just think about that. Okay, God, what can I do today? The time I have left it today. All you need to do is just take a verse. It's amazing how you fast your 10 minutes go by. Take a book like the Gospel of John. That's an easy one to do. It's all cut up into sushi-sized chunks. And Jesus says in John 14, 27, I give you peace. I just contemplate on that for a little bit. I, God says he gives me peace. God, give me and So I'll just say, God, give me peace right now. I have some things worrying me. Just give me your peace, and I'll just give it to you. What's worrying me? You not believe what will happen. Amazing stuff will happen in your life if you give God 10 minutes a day away. Just you and God. Great way to look at the Bible. In fact, in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 1 is a good one to start with. Just go to Psalms 1. Psalms 1 1. God blesses people who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners or join in sneering in God. Verse 2 Instead, the law of the Lord makes them happy and they think about it day and night. You should circle, think about it day and night. Again, they're meditating on it. What happens if you do that? Well, then, verse 3, they're like trees growing beside a stream, trees that produce fruit in season, always have leaves. The people succeed in everything they do. That isn't true of those who are evil because they are like the straw blown by the wind and sinners won't have an excuse on the day of judgment and they won't have a place with the people of God. The Lord protects everyone who follows him. Wow. Discipline. Meditation. Gets us into the right ground so God can do the growing, okay? Let's look at that word space I've got. And across it called S-P-A-C-E. S is for scripture. That's starting with God. And one of the pictures I had behind meditation, I was a farm boy, is it kind of like a cow chewing its cud? Do you know a cow will chew its food seven different times to get the most nutrients out of it. Aren't you glad you don't eat the same diet a cow does? <laughs> Must be pretty tough stuff. But the cow just keeps on, and, and that's what we sometimes need to do with God's word, just think about it over and over again about seven times, and finally it begins to sink into my thick brain. I need to chew on it and deal with it a while, over and over and over again while I'm meditating. Another way to do it is use my body. You wouldn't believe how many times I'm thinking, man, God, that person made me so mad. Don't they have any common sense? Well, God, I guess I can't change them, so here, I'll just give it to you. And guess what? That's the second thing I have, my palms. I use scripture. I use my palms a lot of times. I'm grabbing on it. I'm holding on to something. God wants me to do something. I said, no, God, I got to finish doing this. Well, okay, God, I'll give it to you. Just doing something simple like that helps me to understand I need it simple. I'm plain Dwayne. I need it simple. It helps me. The letter A is acknowledge the fact that God is working in your life. Acknowledge it. I had a music director for years while I was pastoring my last church in Portage, and his name was Tim, and 
Tim would get up in the morning. He wouldn't even know what day it was. His wife would write the name of the day on the, ca- on the refrigerator. Every morning, she had a whiteboard on the Fred and fridge. Today is Tuesday. You need to do blunk, 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 blunk. But man, was he a musician. Some musicians are really creative, but they have trouble with what I call common sense. Well, one day I'd gotten called out about 1.30 in the morning. I'd been at the hospital and all that, and it was a really bad situation. And... Uh, I was able to help the family. I get home, I can't get back to sleep, so I go to the office. And he comes in, and he realizes, I'm having a bad day. And, he says, and, and so he holds something up to him. He says, Dwayne, you know what this is? I said, no, what is that? Looks like a book. It is, it is. Every day I write down answers to prayer in this book. It keeps me going. But I know you wouldn't write down in a book, so here. I have about three five-by-five cards. And I want you, I want you to do is write on these three-by-five cards... Anytime God answers a prayer you have today, because I know you like to put it in bite-sized chunks. I said, well, thank you, Tim. But I said, I'm so tired, I don't know if God can do anything for me today. Do you know by the end of the day, I had those three-by-five cards clear full front and back of things that God had helped me with when I asked him to, and he did. Just acknowledge God's working in our life. It's amazing to me. I thought, man, that was the best lesson I ever learned. From then on, I started carrying a three-by-five card. I mean, by the time I got from my home to the office, I had six of them. Three of them were, man, God, thank you. There was no train on the track. I was an answer to prayer. I'd have been late for my first appointment, and I hit three green lights instead of five red ones like I have some days. I mean, I just give God the credit. Why not? The C is for creation. Been a farm boy. I love creation. I love being out where I can see God's flowers growing and things. You know, just, it's amazing to me. You don't worship creation. That's pantheism or humanism. That's what Oprah does. But we take nature and we say, man, God, you were so great. You were able to create this big, tall tree, this hammock on that looks like it's going to fall on me when the clouds are going by. This is just great. I realize God has the ability and creative creativity to do that. I don't. Creation. I don't think this is in your notes, but in Proverbs 6, 6, here's what the Bible says. You lazy people can learn by watching an anthill. Ants don't have leaders. They store up food for harvest during the season. You know why I got that brought to mind one time? I'm out there on the hammock, and don't ask me how, but an ant comes crawling right across my arm. I'm thinking, God, am I supposed to thank you for ants? So I looked up ants, and I found out there's a Bible verse about ants. Just look at the ant. Have you ever looked at a flower or a blade of grass or a tree or a fish or anything like that? Just looked at it and think, man, that is so amazing. God made this fish so it can live on water. I drown in water. I'm not even a good swimmer in water, but look at that fish. Isn't God great? Look what he's done for the world. And I look at what he's doing for me at this moment. See, a lot of us miss nature. We miss the beauty of God's creation. And then the last thing on space is the E for events. Think about events in your life. Man, when Ruth and I had a lot of time here the last three weeks while we're living in our little 8 by 20 camper in the middle of a heat wave of going back through our life and seeing how many times God had helped us through difficult times. Wow. Those things he brought us through matured us, helped us to trust him more because I knew he could help me through that. He could help us through today. 
Think about those things. We can go on talking about, but it all begins with, you know, discipline. You need advanced planning. Daniel planned. He sushi-sized his day, and he meditated regularly before the Lord. He exemplifies discipline. I love Daniel 6.4. Here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to trap Daniel. I mean, you know, everybody else now is jealous of him because Daniel, he's, he's the guy. I mean, he's really ripped, man. He's just, you know, he's eating God's food, and the rest of them are, you know, they're getting kind of fat. And, and so they're trying to mess around with him, and they're trying to trap him, and they're trying to jam him because they're jealous of Daniel. And here's what happens. The other men tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work for the king, but they did not accuse him of doing anything wrong. Why? Because he was honest, he was faithful, and he did everything he was supposed to do. I just pray at the end of my life that could be said about me and that could be said about you. Because see, when we create a space for God, God can use us as a channel for grace to others. Discipline. It's missing nowadays. Let's go deep with it. Let's make that decision. Let's plan in advance. Take it in bite-sized chunks and you can, God can help you through and begin meditating and God will use you in unbelievable fashion. Let's just bow our heads. Talk to God. Dear God, I just want to say thank you for helping a farm boy like me to realize what a great God you are. And you gave us great examples. One of them was Daniel. So I just thank you for giving us true and pure character where we're trusting you on the inside so you can work on us on the outside. And Lord, I look forward to the great things that are going to happen in our lives because we're going to choose to hear your voice, obey your voice, and respond to it. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. If you are with us at home, this is your chance. If you haven't already gathered some elements together, some bread and juice or whatever you have available there. Uh, for those of us who are here in the room, we have these little individually wrapped cups and uh, we will be celebrating communion together. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have today um, to do what we've just sung about, uh, to think about, to reflect on to meditate on the great gift you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ, and the great work that you have done on our behalf, Lord Jesus. On this Labor Day weekend, as we're uh, giving thanks for uh, work and those who do such work, um, God, we are reminded of the great work that you have done on our behalf. Work that we never could have done. We never could have atoned for our own sins. We never could have made up, uh, repaid the great debt that we owed to you for our sins, for our disobedience. And so God, you stepped in and you did what we could not. You entered into our brokenness, our broken, sinful humanity. And Jesus, you took our sin on yourself so that by your death, 
by your resurrection, the power of sin could be broken. Our debt could be paid. We could be set free. Help us, God, to experience that freedom today. Help us to to offer ourselves to you with all of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly because you have loved us in Jesus Christ in such an amazing, beautiful way. God, I thank you that today we have an opportunity to, to celebrate that uh, in, a, in a tangible, touchable way with the celebration of communion, with this holy sacrament. As we offer to you gifts of bread and juice, we pray that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior here at his table. As we offer you ourselves, God, we pray that by your Spirit's work in our lives, that we might be transformed, forgiven, washed clean, and changed. Changed into a people who, who love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who love our neighbors as ourselves. Changed into a people who live our lives out of gratitude to you for the work you have done for us, in us, through us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, on the night that, uh, that Jesus was betrayed, uh, he was eating that Passover supper with his disciples. And they were celebrating God's great uh, liberation setting his people free from slavery in Egypt. And, uh, and he took bread, and uh, bread that had reminded them of that great moment, uh, and he redefined it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. So you can take and eat the bread. And then after the meal, he took the cup, Gave it to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love, for your grace for your life that you were willing to give for us and share with us by your Holy Spirit. Today, would you fill us with the Spirit of Christ so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your sons and daughter, as your hands and your feet. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.